just kidding. All right, can everybody hear me? We're good? Awesome. Welcome this morning. Um, at the end of this service today, what we're going to do is we're going to honor our teens, okay? So the ones that are, are turning 13 and in one case 14, right? And so one of the things that we've done as a church, as a church tradition, is we have had baby dedications, right? And part of the baby dedications is the parents publicly saying, you know what? I, as a parent, am going to choose to raise my child up in the ways of the Lord. I'm going to take responsibility to do that. And at 13, what we're trying to do is add a new tradition within our church where we say, you know what? 13-year-olds, guess what? That soul, that first responsibility for your walk is going to be on you. Now, parents are still going to be in a place of, you know what, leading you, guiding you, right? And the church is still in a place of being for you. But it's kind of this passing baton of like, you know what, it's time for you to stand up. We're going to treat you as adults. We're going to give you space to walk and to fall and to get back up again. All right, so we're going to do that in just a little while. First of all, though, I want to talk a little bit about Genesis because we've been talking about Genesis for a long time, and evidently I like talking about Genesis. We're going through this thing. Those that are new, we've talked a little bit about the creation and then the fall. We talked about Cain and Abel, and then we talked about Noah's flood. We talked about genealogies, and then God creating everything again after Noah's flood, and then the fall kind of again with Ham and what he ends up doing um, with, with Noah. And then Noah cursing Ham's fourth son, Canaan, right, to become a slave. And then you talk about going into the Tower of Babel, right? And so Tower of Babel where there's people that are coming together and they're making a name for themselves. They're making their name great among the nations. They're saying, we're going to do this thing, and it's all about us, and we're going to do it on our own strength, and we don't need God. We're not going to go and fill the earth like God said. We're going to make our spot here. Okay, And what they're doing at that point in time is, is in a place called Babel. Now, the Hebrew word is the exact same for Babel and Babylon in English, which is kind of a fascinating side note. right? And so you have this spot right, where they're creating this tower. It's the first time that we have this thing. They're creating a name for themselves. And God says, no, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for you to build your own kingdom. I'm not looking for you to build up your own name and make your own name great on your own strength. I'm not looking for that. And so this is the preface coming into the story about Abram, right? And last week we talked a little bit about Abram's father, Terah. So you've got Terah who's got three sons. His sons are Abram, Haran, right, and Nahor. So you've got three of these guys. We talked about how they weren't actually triplets, okay? So let me look at the timeline for a minute here. So in Genesis 11:32, the days of Terah were 205 years, and then Terah died in a city called Haran. You have Terah who lived 70 years and became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. So if you look at 11:26, there, it's like, oh, at 70-year-olds, he had triplets, and it's really not that case. But Moses wanted to say, hey, you know what? We're going to put Abram at the front of these descendants because the line of Christ, like this is coming through this bloodline. Okay? So there's an importance with Abraham that we're going to bump him to the front. And yet, he also gives us this reference point for at 70 he starts having kids. Okay? And we see that it's Haran. And part of why we see it's Haran is because the oldest son would be the first to be married and have kids. Right? That's one of those reasons. Okay? So now you look at, now Abram has 75 years old when he departed from Haran to go into the promised land. So if you take 205 years, minus the 70 years when he started having kids, minus 75 when Abram leaves, 
you have the 60-year period. So you have two options. And honestly, the Hebrew rabbis argued for a long time about, okay, so did Abram leave Haran for 60 years in Haran? Like, or sorry, Terah in Haran? Like, did he leave his dad and his dad stayed there for 60 years before? Or is there a 60-year gap between when Haran was born and when Abram was born? And thankfully, when we get into Acts, we have Stephen talking about Abraham saying, hey, then he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. And from there, after his father died, God had to move to this country in which you are now living. So my understanding from the scripture is that there's a 60-year gap between the oldest and you have Abram, okay? And so you've got that time period in there where stuff happens. One of those things that happens we talked about was Haran dies, older brother dies, right? And so you, he's got three kids. We know that he's got two girls and a boy, right? And so you've got that whole thing that we talked about last week, and I'm just going to highlight it again, where back in the story with Shem, Ham, and Japheth, where Ham does stuff to his dad Noah, then it says Shem and Japheth, he took a blanket, right? And this concept that like Shem was the first one to come up with this idea of like, hey, Japheth, you know what the right thing for us to do is to cover our dad. We need to honor our father. And so they cover over his nakedness, right? And so they of one mind, which is where you get the he, right? So instead of they in English, it's he took a blanket because of their one mind to do this good deed. It's a benevolent act. And then you have Abram and Nahor. He took wives is what the Hebrew actually says. In English, it's like they got married. But in Hebrew, it's they, uh, Abram and Nahor, he took wives. And so it's this idea of Abraham saying, hey, Nahor, you know what the right thing for us to do is we need to cover over our nieces. Because in that society, in a patriarchal society, it's the father that's the covering for his kids. It's, he's the one that has the protection. He's the one with inheritance. He's the one that makes sure that everything is good. And so you've got Abram saying, you know what, we, in order to honor our father's name, but also our brother's name, like, the right thing for us to do is make sure that our nieces are taken care of. And at this point, I suggested last week that Abraham should have been the one that got to choose which wife to take. And he takes the one that we know is barren, right? And so, I don't know why this thing's on and off, but hopefully it's not distracting for you guys. Anyways, he takes the one that's barren. He's the one that says, you know what? I'm willing to choose to honor my father and my brother at the expense of my own future. Because if he takes a barren wife, that means he's not going to have kids. Without kids, he doesn't have a lineage. Like, he's willing to let his name be nothing in order to do the right thing to honor his, his parents. Like, that is such a, a, a moving thing where God looks down and says, I can work with a guy like that. Especially on the heels of you have Tower of Babel where all they're trying to do is make their name great. And he's like... I'm going to take the guy that's willing to make his name nothing. Make his name nothing, right? And so he does this where it's like, you know what? I'm going to build my kingdom on somebody like that instead of somebody who's trying to build their own kingdom, all right? Genesis 12. It's fascinating because the Lord says to Abram, go from your country, number one, your people, number two, and your father's household, number three, to the land that I'm going to show you. The first thing that I want to share with this, and you guys have probably heard me talk about this before, but like, I love that he doesn't give Abram a destination. He doesn't say, hey, go to Canaan. He says, go to a place that I will show you, right? Like, 
our teens that are here, FYI, just so you guys know, like, he's not going to give you the final destination. We can't give you the final destination of where God's taking you. We don't know. But we do know that the answer is going to be walking with him so close that he can show you, he can tell you, hey, this is the place, walk in it. This is the direction to go, right? And I love the fact that he gives them that. Now there's those three things. Leave your country, leave your people, leave your father's household. Now Abraham does all of these things, but with the help of God. He doesn't do them day one, and we're going to talk about this in future weeks. He doesn't immediately say, all right, sweet, I'm going to leave everything that I know I'm going to go, because he ends up going with his dad to a city called Haran. And there's argument of whether the city existed beforehand or whether his father was going towards Canaan, which it talks about him going towards Canaan, and gets to a place and just can't get past grieving his son. Right? Either way, a city called Haran is going to be something that's going to just touch a father's heart where he's got a son named Haran. Right? It's got to mess with him, and he stays there until his last breath. He doesn't go all the way. But there's this process where he starts going through there. But I already looked at the fact that he was willing to get rid of his future, to lay his future completely down. But here you have, if you leave your country, if you leave your people and you leave your father's household, you're also leaving behind your present and your past. Like you're leaving everything behind. Like here's a man that's leaving his existence at some level to walk in a way that like his father was worshiping idols, so he's following a new God. And he's saying, all right, God, you're going to lead me. I'm going to follow you in this. That takes a lot of courage, right? And I love that the promise then flips into, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You've got a man that doesn't have a way at this point to have children. And God's saying, I'm going to make you into a great nation that's going to bless the entire earth. Isn't that cool? Like, it's impossible from Abram's point of view at this point. Like, I don't know how this is going to work, but, you know, like, a guy that's willing to lay down his name and then turn around and God be like, I'm going to bless everybody through you. Right? The story before, you got the Tower of Babel where they're trying on their own strength to make their name great to make themselves known among the entire earth. God says, you know what? Instead of going by strength, we're going to do my spirit. And I'm going to use my spirit in this man, and I'm going to make his name great. And I'm going to bless the earth through this man. And we're going to find in his life, there's this back and forth through his journey where sometimes he walks by his own strength, and sometimes he walks by, his own, by God's spirit. Right? And really, that's kind of the thing that we're inviting the teenagers into at some level. Is like, hey, we're going to help teach you to walk by his spirit and not by your own strength. And I say that, and teenagers, guess what? You know what? You're getting invited into adulthood with a bunch of broken people. And I guarantee in this room, including myself, there's some days I walk by his spirit. And there's some days that I walk by my strength. And all days there's grace. Right? Like, we want to extend grace to you. We want to give you a space that you can grow and fall and then stand back up again and we'll walk with you. But you know what? That's not just for the teenagers. There's some of us in this room. You know what? We're building our own kingdom on our own strength and guess what? It's only a matter of time before it crumbles. 
every single time, our kingdom will crumble. So if you're putting your time, your energy, your money into your kingdom, guess what? It's not going to last, right? What is going to last, what he will bless is when you say, you know what? I want to walk by his spirit and I want to redeem. I want to restore. I want to build his kingdom. He's going to say, I can multiply that. I can work with that. I can establish that person. I can make that person firm, right? I love that. We're going to talk about Abram in the upcoming weeks, but I want to just talk about his life in a nutshell. He was willing to lay down his future and his name by doing what was right and redeeming his barren niece. Abram was willing to lay down his past, his present, and his, uh, and his future. God blessed all nations through a man willing to surrender it all. And surrender is where it comes from, right? And then Abraham was still human, didn't always get it right. And his good choices and his bad choices were multiplied. We're going to talk about the ramifications of both in the upcoming weeks. I'm not done, but I'm going to show you a reflection side. So there's your, you're like, ah, yes. No, we're not really there. I got more to talk about. So are we trying to do it all in our own strength, or do we actually trust the Spirit? It's a question, right? Because it's easy for us to, like, I'm walking by the Spirit when everything's great, right? When it's not so great, there's a huge temptation for us to take it in our own hands. But here's another scenario. How many of us have heard words from the Lord where God said, hey, I'm going to do this thing in you? right? And you're like, oh, sweet. He's going to do this thing. I'm going to make it happen now, right? If you're still trying to follow and still trying to make what God is telling you he's going to do in your own strength, you're still going to make a mess. You have to wait on his timing with his spirit, okay? His name, is his name greater than your name? Whose name are you investing in? It's really the question. And are we waiting to move until we have a destination, or are we willing to start moving in the direction that he's showing us? And do we have the courage to leave behind all of our securities to put our security in him? When I was at, uh, I, I used to work at some camps where one of the things that I was doing is I would be up on top of a zip line, 45 feet in the air, and sometimes it was kids and sometimes it was adults, but they would like climb confidently to the top, and then they would realize where they were, and they would freeze in fear. And I'd have to have this conversation with them very, very regularly. And again, age didn't matter, right? Because sometimes we get frozen in fear. And they would be afraid, and I'd say, listen, what you need to know is there's a difference between fear and danger. And I had to walk through, hey, you know what? Right now, you feel afraid, and it's okay for you to feel afraid, but you are not in danger. And you can conquer the fear that's in front of you. You have an invitation to do it, but you're the one that has to do it. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to push you off the ledge, but you can. You can conquer those fears. And so we would talk about what does danger look like? What does fear look like? Today I want to talk about, there's a guy in Nigeria that I read about this week that he was a pastor, and he wanted to convince his, his church, like, hey, you know what? The God of Daniel is still our God. I'm going to go jump in this lion's den to prove it. He jumped in the lion's den, and they ate him up. Because, listen, like, there's biblical stories, but, like, if he's not asking you to jump in the lion's den, don't, don't do it, right? Like, the point is, you've got to follow what he is saying to you. Like, you have to follow his direction. Some of you... Like, that's a dangerous thing. And some of you are like, I've got danger all around me. Well, guess what? 
Though I walk through the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. If you are walking by his side. If you're not walking in his presence, if you're not listening to his voice, it will eat you up. Okay? Flip side. I was in Nepal. Me and some of my guys, I'm not going to get how we got there, but we decided we we're going to go track down this Bengal tiger in a jungle with a bamboo stick. So we did. And it was awesome. We tracked down this Bengal tiger, and we're going through the woods, and we see this thing, and it's like 50 yards away, and it is majestic. Like it makes everything in a zoo look so scrawny. Like it's, it's kind of sad. But you see one of these things in the wild, and you're like, Right? Now, did I have any fear? Of course not. I had my bamboo stick. Come on. We each had one, so none of us should be afraid. Listen, I didn't... That's kind of a joke, P.S. Well, not really. I I mean, I had it. And the reason why that I had it was because my guide said, we should bring a bamboo stick. And I trusted the guide, and I trusted what he said that we needed. So we see this thing... And we're like, oh, man. And we're sitting there watching him until, like, he sniffs around. And then he looks straight at us. And we're like, oh, okay. And we whisper to the guy, what do we do now? And he says, let's eat lunch. So we sat down and we opened up our food and started eating in front of it. Why? Because I trusted my guide. I trusted my guide. He knew what you do. Like, tigers, you maintain eye contact, right? You hold your ground, and it doesn't, like, you do your thing with confidence, and they will assess the situation and go around you. Now, if they come towards you, you hit the ground with the bamboo stick, and you say, you know, I'm actually staying right here, and you're okay. But we had to trust this guy going into the jungle, finding this tiger, that he's not giving us a bunch of, like, nonsense so that he can have some entertainment with the Americans running from a tiger, right? We weren't in danger because we were with a guy that knew what he was doing, okay? Fear and danger are going to tell our brains the same thing. They're going to say, get to safety and get to safety now. The differences with danger when it tells you, when the Spirit says you're in danger, the, the safe place is by his side. The safe place is you've got to run into his presence. Fear is going to actually have you run away from him and have you, with your own strength, try to find ways to cover yourself because you're afraid. It's actually putting yourself in a prison when you walk by fear instead of by this spirit that's going to lead you out of the danger and into his presence. Does that make sense? Like, some of you today, the kids that are coming up, I want to honor the fact that, like, this is something new that we're doing today in our church, and there's probably some emotions, and there might even be some fear. You need to know you're not in danger. You're not in danger. It's okay. Like, we want to bless you, right? You're not in danger. But your brain is going to say, I want to come back. I want to keep myself safe. There's a vulnerability to standing up and being like, I don't know what's happening, and I didn't choose this. So we're going to honor the fact that they didn't choose this step. We kind of chose it for them. And you know what? Teenagers, guess what? This is new for the congregation too. So they're figuring it out as well. And either side of the equation, what you end up having is there's a fear of the unknown that is common with humans. 
We don't know what's coming, so we, we, we get afraid of it. But the thing is, we have a guide that knows. We have a guide that knows, and we can have confidence if you are walking with that guide that you can go into all sorts of situations and he will protect and provide you. Does that make sense? Okay, so second ones. The Spirit will tell you to get to safety when you're in danger. Safety is found in his presence. And your strength will tell you to get to safety when you're in fear. But living in fear is a false sense of safety, and it's called a prison. Number three, do you trust?